Thanks for joining us on uh, another edition of From the Red Room. Uh, this resonance is going to be uh, really a great one. I'm excited because our guests in the, uh, the Red Room tonight uh, have a lot on their plate, being uh, not only uh, movie buffs and creators, um, working at creating their own indie films, and about uh, they're on the eve of creating their own podcast as well. Uh, so tonight we welcome into the Red Room... Chris Morris. And... Coral Roseberry. And Mike Piscioli. Awesome. Excellent, guys. We're so happy to have you here tonight. Um, and I always say tonight, and I've been trying to figure out another way to address it because people could be listening to this at any hour, but it is night here. So welcome to the Red Room. So guys, I understand that um, you guys have all known each other for a little while. Like, let's start with just a brief history of, of friendships and relationships, and then let's get into the, uh, the core of what you guys are working on and what's coming up next. Sure. Uh, well, my wife is Coral, the, one of the other casters, and uh, Mike is a great friend of mine that I met while I was in the Air Force on active duty. Uh, Coral and I have been together for going on seven years now, and Mike and I have been together for, what would you say, about three years? Yeah, since 2015. Yeah, 2015, early 2015. So Okay, really but I heard you refer to him as your first wife, and but he's he's only been with you three years compared to the seven. How do you feel about that, Coral? Do you feel like, you know, as being the second wife? There's a little bit of jealousy there, for yeah. sure. I mean, there's a level of their relationship <laughs> that I won't ever meet. Uh, but no, it's good. Mike's probably one of his best friends, so it's good to have him around in Tucson. I would say so. Excellent. We're, we're, um, you've been together seven years. How long have you guys been married? Uh, we have been married for, well, it'll be two years on July 9th. That's good. He didn't even stutter over the date or anything. He didn't, and yeah. I always do. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so that's reverse. Reverse roles. Uh, yeah. 2018, baby. <laughs> so um, that's cool. You guys seem to have like a good history. You guys already got a good vibe. As soon as you come in, you guys really kind of congeal. Do, you, do we all contribute? Do you get in on some of this uh, creation? Do you judge and critique their work, Coral? Definitely judge and critique. No, I'm just here kind of uh, spontaneously tonight. I wasn't working, and then I just tagged along. So. That's, that's cool. I'm really glad when you, when you sent me the text, you asked if she could come along, and she's got a really great energy, so I'm glad you brought her. Hey, thanks. So, you know, I think she's being a little modest on the creative front, though. Uh, she is as big a fan of creative industries like comic books and sci-fi as any one of us in the room, I would say, and she is also... Hoping to do her own podcast maybe one day. Oh. Uh, I'll let her talk at length about that if she decides to or if you decide to ask about it. But, uh, yeah, she's definitely got her own creative energy that she's going to put out there someday. I know it. That's awesome. Do, are, you, are you his muse? I'd like to think so. I don't know <laughs> if that's true, but maybe maybe to an extent. I've got multiple muses, but you're definitely in. <laughs> you're in the front running. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, Mike is right here. You, you know, like, <laughs> hey, you know. The eternal battle. I don't need it to be spoken for. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so um, right now, you guys, um, I think um, a little ways back, we had talked about you guys working on uh, an independent film, and I know that there's some stuff coming up here for you shortly, Chris. Uh, what's next on the agenda? Like, Well, as far as that film that we're working on last, um, that's still in the works, believe it or not. We just had a bit of a hiccup as far as having uh, the right equipment to get the job done um, and make it seem consistent and professional rather than just... Um, pieced together with very obviously different <coughs> types of equipment. And uh, and I'm talking about both video and audio. Um, and next, actually, I am flying out to um, Salt Lake City. I'm working on a, a docuseries episode. And then from there, I fly to Sacramento, and I'm working on another episode of the same series for the Air Force. So 
Um, I'm really excited about that. And before that, I forgot to mention I'll be covering the Bataan Memorial Death March in White Sands uh, Missile Range, New Mexico. Wow. Yeah, pretty fun. Is it fun? Does that sound that, that sounds like it's, fun? Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So it's uh it's a memorial march to commemorate um basically Japan's seizure of the Philippine military base and they were marched um I don't remember the exact mileage, but a, a pretty grueling length through what would be considered hostile terrain and environment, and they try and replicate that by hosting it in uh New Mexico as the uh weather starts to warm up and it's a twenty six it's a marathon. Uh, it's yeah. not a running marathon. It's a 35-pound ruck, and um, it's to memorialize their basically death march for a lot of people, uh, including some American troops and Filipino troops. That sounds kind of somber, not fun. Uh, no, it's 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 more about a celebration of American history yeah. and um, our, you know, our victory through the whole thing and the survivors. It's celebrating the survivors sure. and that they made it out to see their families again. But it is also in remembrance of those we lost. Yeah. Um, that got real heavy real quick. <laughs> um, so let's take it back to like inspiration and where we get these things from. As uh, a creative partner with Chris, what do you what do you think like first drew you guys together? Like when it came to like the creative side Ooh. of things. I like, don't know. Just uh, so if you couldn't tell, Chris's energy is just like he's such a good person to be around. First off, and I think a lot of people strive to be around good people. They strive to be around good energy. So I think that's one thing that helps Chris kind of stand out. It's it's kind of hard for someone to meet Chris and not want to be friends with them. Um, I would say that I'm probably the lucky one in this relationship. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm actually really fortunate to have met Chris and um, and Coral as well because they're just two people that are just really good to have in your life. Kind of those people that that you really want to keep around and you know, I mean, a lot of people tend to come and go, but. Um, and especially with their active lives, like all the goals that they have, and like we all have our separate goals, and they'll probably take us our own separate ways. But um, I know that their personalities and everything about them—that's really what kind of attracted me to them. But um, as far as creativity is concerned, um, I don't think we really touched on our creative side as far as like filmmaking and all that, and for a while. So um, you guys were building a friendship think... initially on on top of just shared interests. Before you realized you both had this creative drive? Uh, yeah, kind of. So I never really mentioned my creative drive. So in high school was probably when I hit my peak creativity. Um, no, you got a lot of creativity. Yeah. Yeah, I was <laughs> well, like, Come well, on now. No, as far as like exploring it. So I haven't really explored it since. So like, um, for example, like early on in high school, me and my friends, um, one of my really good friends back home, his name's John, and uh, his parents owned a cabin. And every summer, me and like three or four friends would go up to the cabin and um, I'd bring this, this little like, um, digital camera and this is when like digital cameras were like first just coming out and it had this record feature on it. And I was kind of interested in filmmaking or just making like silly videos or whatever. And we really made like a couple things while we were out at, around the cabin and in the woods and stuff like that. Were these like found footage things or were you like, you know, trying to do like set pieces? Did you have scripts? Well, we only, just playing around. so I don't think we ever actually made scripts. We kind of just made it up as we went. Um, okay. Yeah. A little so bit of just, improv. Yeah. 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 Uh, a lot of that kind of just like we would shoot something and be like, ah, oh, that's not how it would actually be. <laughs> <And then laughs> you just do it again. Um, none of that stuff actually made it onto the internet or, or anything like that. I'm pretty sure if I did try to find it, it's probably on some super old computer, probably in my parents' basement. Um, so yeah, but you got to have those early sketches to kind of find where you want to go and kind of yeah. discover w who you are as a you know creative. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, 
and that's uh, and that's like the film side i guess like the visual side i was in band since i wasn't like five years old Ooh, so music yeah. yeah started out as like a trombone player really really liked it really liked the vibes that the band gave <laughs> you know what i mean like there's a lot of weird kids but like the, the weird is cool man <laughs> hey, the weird like, is cool consider the audience yeah, now yeah. come on band kids are not weird well, kids. No, okay. <laughs> like, i was a weird kid too you know what i mean like like we all have to own it and uh and i think it it, it really turned me a lot into the person i am today um but yeah i was even like a drum major in high school and like all this stuff i, I in high school is really when I like expanded my musical abilities. So like from like trombone into the baritone into the tuba into yeah. like j- my friend John that I just referred to, he was a trumpet player, and so kind of touched on that a little bit too. Um, but after high school, you know, joined active duty Air Force and um, didn't really explore it ever again. Um, I bought a video camera or not a video camera. I bought like a like a Sony um, DSLR. And I, you know, went around San Antonio and stuff like that and just took pictures. And a lot of my stuff's been, like, photography. I I got pretty serious about my Instagram and trying to, like, expand that following, like, a couple years ago. And I got a pretty decent following going, like, 1,200 people. Were you doing, like, like photography? Yeah, like yeah. Instagram? Or yeah. Just so, like, hey, this is what I had but mostly, like, landscapes. Like, okay. because we traveled around a lot in the Air Force, it was really easy to get, like, new things going. Yeah. Um, traveling and seeing seeing different stuff and like you know i would even have people be like oh man like how do you travel so much and i'm like i'm being paid to do it <laughs> but not at my own will kind of at the same time sure. so so what would you guys say is the creative dynamic then between the two of you because a lot of time you have like these creative uh, duos um where you have like one guy might be an idea guy another guy may be an execution man um is it kind of like even even on both fronts for you guys um, and do you divide that stuff up consciously or does it just come to you naturally? I think it definitely is natural. And if I had to put it into terms that I think a lot of people could relate to, I would say almost like a Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld kind of thing. Um, we we both come up with ideas. We I think... Now, I'm, a little, I'm not quite as familiar as you with the, the Seinfeld, Larry David thing. So mm-hmm. what, what was that dynamic when you say it's kind of like that? or? Uh, well, I think... A lot of people know Jerry Seinfeld as the uh, the front man, and I don't know that we have a specific front man, but I think that um, there's definitely a Well, you're both so pretty. You both could be the front man. Mike, uh, Mike's know. pointing to me as front man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all you, man. Uh, either way, we d- we both definitely have ideas, though. Larry David is, uh, to many fans, known as you know just as much a contributor as Jerry is to the comedic sketches that they were making in the show Seinfeld and uh, Larry with his show Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, it kind of sits down, or kind of comes down to us sitting down and hashing out ideas, just like uh, they actually talked about it in an episode of Seinfeld, Jerry and George trying to figure out a, a pilot episode to write, and it literally turned into procrastination and then getting stuff done eventually, which is kind of how we are because we're both busy, and it's like, all right, cool, hey, let's get together and write Tuesday, and then next thing you know, it's Sunday, and we're finally <laughs> sitting down to write um, and talk about stuff, but... The passion's there on both ends, I say just as equally, and I think we're both putting out ideas and kind of like snowball effect, you know, rolling down a hill, we just kind of add snow to it, and next thing you know, it's something that we can work with. Excellent. Well, what are your, you mentioned, obviously, this comedic um, source of dynamics. What are your biggest influences around the table when it comes to creation, Chris? Uh, I would say far and away, it would be 
uh, David Lynch and Larry David. Why? Uh, well, what, David what is it about their work. David Lynch is uh, he considers himself to be primarily um, an artist, like a, you know, a painter, like a, in the traditional sense, and a filmmaker, almost secondary. And um, I think a lot of that comes through in his films. His films are very cerebral, and you know, honestly, I don't know what's going on on screen <laughs> half the time. But I find it really engaging and enthralling, and I just love the somewhat melancholy tone of some of his movies. But I also like the juxtaposition of the brightness and the crazy ambience that's there. Just you can feel Lynch's energy through the screen, and I don't know that I necessarily have that in a um, filmmaking sense. But I think I have that in a um, to, not to his degree, obviously. But I think I definitely have some kind of manic energy there that i don't quite understand and i just want to put it out there and larry david um coral could attest to this um he's known to be pretty neurotic and always sarcastic and i am <laughs> i am both of those things to the extreme especially the I've, I've witnessed your sarcasm firsthand <laughs> on a number of occasions and the uh you haven't witnessed the neurosis as much um i'm definitely someone that is hard to live with and i appreciate every day that she puts up with me so Thank you. <laughs> that's that's really great. Um, go ahead. I, I softened him up a little bit. You did. You, 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 you softened him up more. Yeah. It was I mean, a year of hard work. Well, we lived together for like three months or something. Is a it little like, bit longer like, than that, I think. No, uh, like three or four, wasn't it? I don't know. I, feel, I don't know. It felt a lot longer. I'll tell you that. Well, much. I moved. I moved out in like March. Oh no, you might be. It was like October to March or something. Like yeah, that. So yeah, so almost six months. Yeah, almost yeah. six months. Almost half a year. So. Huh. It's kind of like the jar. It's like, well, I loosened it. I was thinking more <laughs> like banging it against the counter, yeah. and then that loosened it, made it smoothen out a little bit. It's it's really great. I mean, this is it's not well, it's not exactly planned, but it's quite fitting that we have someone who who's again quoting Lynch as being a a, a creative influence, and because here we are in the red room, and obviously very much influenced by Lynch's work. And I'm excited to have you come sit back down and we'll do an episode of The Reflections from the Red Room so we can talk about Twin Peaks specifically. You know about that. Uh, that would be fantastic. If you would be so kind to Absolutely. come back. I would be honored. That would be great. Um, Coral, what, what are some of the things that create? And you, he uh, mentioned earlier that you were considering starting your own podcast, that you have all these creative energies as well. What what drives you to create? Yeah, so I'm kind of looking for my passion project right now. And actually, Chris and I talked about this a while ago. I've just been feeling kind of like stuck in life, like looking for what's next. Um, and I've been like looking towards my career to find that. And he was saying, no, you just need to find your passion project. Um, mm. So I don't know what that is. And I'm playing around with it. And I've talked with a couple of my friends about doing a podcast. And I've got some other ideas. Nothing's really stuck yet. And who knows what it'll be. But I'm looking looking for that creative juice to start flowing. I think a creative life is, is a, and you know, no detriment to anyone who's not naturally creative because um, I have some friends out there who claim that they have nothing creative to put out. Um, one of them is one of the guys who helped me even get this started. Um, but a creative life, if you if you have something that you want to do, is so fulfilling. So I, I totally support that. So what are some of your – you said you haven't really, like, found it yet, what that passion project is. But do you have any, um, like, artists that you look to for inspiration or kind of a – I mean, I've – Art. I mean, artists and to me is like such a. It's a. It's a broad term. It should be. For and that's everybody. why I use yeah. it. That's why because um, it could be so many. Yeah. So I've been a fan of art in general since high school. Like I just love it. Um, I collect art books and I read them. And like there's this uh, used bookstore that we go to in San Diego, and they have an art section. It's where I always gravitate, and I always find something. Uh, like Klimt's been a favorite of mine since before I can even remember. Uh, but recently we've been getting into comic books since last year's Comic Con. I mean, our comic book collection is just like 
blown, uh, just blown up. Um, so that's been really fun. Uh, but yeah, right now I'm just kind of taking everything in and then hopefully I'll start putting something out there soon. That's really cool. And you guys, uh, so you said we, our, you guys do the comic hunting together? 100%. Oh yeah. It's, that's really it's cool. a, it's a mutual passion. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. You should have seen Chris the other day. We went over to, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Zaya? Zia. Zia. <laughs> okay. We need you to Zia. go ahead and step outside. I know. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. really sad. I mean, there, so, there aren't many record stores left, but there yeah, is I know. Zia. And we'll give them a shout out again. And they have been here before. Oh, really? Yes, oh, gosh. Respect to Zia. Oh, no. Okay. Really? We can just like cut that part out. <laughs> no, That's but, the beauty of editing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we went over because we went to Whole Foods to grab the mead. And uh, then we just stopped by and like, Chris went straight to the comic book section and was like, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. <laughs> Which one does Coral have? He's like <laughs> scrolling through this app that he like documented his whole library of comic books on. That's smart. Like, I wish I did that. Oh, yeah. yeah. These last two weeks, I have just been scanning everything that's in our collection. Yeah. So it's oh. all in this beautiful app. Is it shelves? Or no, it's, it's CLZ Comics. It's uh, Oh, it's actually specifically for comics? Yeah. CLZ is this really great um, basically inventory and organization company. And they have one for movie collection record collections, CD collections, and comics. And it's got a built-in barcode scanner, and everything syncs to the cloud. And Where can our listeners check that out? Uh, you can go to the App Store on iTunes or uh, even Android. You can also go to clz.com or just Google CLZ, and you'll see all the different ways in which you can organize any of your numerous collections. That's cool. And how about yourself, sir? Let's hear some, like input on your creative influences and maybe heroes i guess yeah so kind of just how you just mentioned uh how you have like friends who claim that they don't have any so that's kind of how i felt probably since i left home since i left colorado springs and everything i haven't really felt myself like become creative i committed so hard to becoming like you know like technical and and all this other stuff you know from going to a language institute and committing really hard to work and, and my job in the Air Force, I really lost sight of everything else. It just became a lot of a lot about work and a lot about trying to focus on that and become, you know, as best as I could and make myself stand out. Well, um, if I can if I can interject in there real quick too, mm-hmm. there are a lot of us and a lot of people who take for granted the work that you guys have done and and, and do. So it's much appreciated. No, no, thank you. Know? Yeah, no, so yeah, yeah, I understand you what so you're going from, um, yeah. but yeah, that that's that's the that's the good work. So yeah, no, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I, but you know, along along those lines, I mean, I've 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 been doing this work for five years now, and over the last, I would say, two years, I've really been focusing on transitioning to do something else, and um, through that, I I started focusing on school. So you know, I would work during the day, and I would take on you know, anywhere from six to 12 credit hours, um, a semester at night, um, you know, from writing classes into more technical classes, like, you know, math and computer science was the degree. And it's actually still currently my, the degree that I'm going for right now. And, um, it's, it's become a real challenge, you know, going to work and, and then immediately hitting the books or getting on my laptop and writing a program or studying or whatever. So I know that, I know that it's probably, it's, you know, I, I can, I can sit here all day and, and tell you like, I don't have the time to do that or whatever, but I, I really do feel like that's just kind of me copping out and being like, like, oh man, you know, I just don't, I just don't have the time. But it's like, yeah. if you, if you make the time, you can absolutely do it. And I think right now, at least over the last, 
ever since we kind of talked about our interest in like movie making or creative, you know, um, getting like some creative juices flowing, that's when I've really started to think like, man, I need some creativity in my life. I need to do something other than like work and school. I need, I need something else to do. So right now I haven't had anything specific pop out at me. That's like, you know, this is the creative goal. This is the creative dream. This is what inspires me. I mean, music has been a, a large part of my life. Who are some of your favorite artists? Ooh, okay. So, <laughs> my dad, my dad is a, a huge Aerosmith fan, massive Aerosmith fan, um, to the point where he actually, um, he actually named uh, Joe Perry's. I think it was his last, or maybe his. It, this was like a few years ago. Um, he named his single um, "Have a Guitar Will Travel." And uh, Joe Perry, like he, it was like a competition, really. Like Joe Perry went on Twitter or something. He was like, "Hey, you know, like send me album name ideas." And my dad, he was like, "Oh, have guitar will travel." And that was like his submission, and he won. Oh, and that's, that's the cool. name of his album now. Oh, that's that's, that's the name cool. of the album. Um, I gotta just say, like Joe Perry is uh, like in a, like unassailably cool. Oh like, yeah! Like one of my earliest memories of like videos, there was a video for the song "Angel" that was on Permanent Vacation. There's a shot of Joe Perry just standing in the desert on an empty highway playing his guitar when the solo yeah. kicks in. I still want to think of cool. Yeah. I think of that image. Yeah. So and, yeah, I get that. And like you almost never hear him talk, and when he is talking, you're like, dude, what? <laughs> like, <you're, laughs> yeah. Like yeah, he's it's like terminally cool. But uh, yeah. So my dad, massive Aerosmith fan, and like all this stuff. He actually even he even flew. So my parents still live in Colorado Springs. He even flew all the way back to Massachusetts, um, on like a Friday, for like um, he went to work or something. Or maybe it took like a half day. He flew to Massachusetts yeah, don't to see out. a show. No, my mom knows. <laughs> my mom knows. Or uh, his work knows too, whatever. But um, to see a show. And then Saturday morning, he got on a plane and flew back to Colorado Springs. Or it, may, it might have been on like a Thursday or something. And so it sounds to me like maybe your, your, even your father's passion is inspiring to you. The yeah. The fact that he's a, such a fan of Aerosmith. And yeah. I, mean, I, I, like, I think we, we kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. Like that passion kind of ignites your passion yeah whether definitely. it's for whatever medium it might be yeah yeah i feel like I, I feel like i haven't yet found my own like specific passion to where i can dedicate my own like life to or my own creative vision to um and you're kind of hinting on it like i feel like a lot of my creativity comes from the splash damage of other people's creativity like it comes from like it's like a side effect of other people being passionate and creative like seeing somebody else like chris for example um, or even you with this podcast, seeing you like be passionate about something and like wanting to do it makes me more so want to commit to something like That's it awesome. or support somebody or or see their vision through because that kind of gives me energy and makes me feel productive and have like purpose in something and and feel like I'm I'm getting somewhere. So um, yeah, I I I really feel like that's what it comes down to is seeing other people be passionate and then being like, yes, do it. That's awesome. Let me we help all, you. Yeah, you, know? you. We all have that kind of spark there's always going to be something that's going to ignite or you know some people are just born already on fire but sometimes it takes some type of a, a life event or another person to kind of ignite that for us um that's awesome that, that hits it well so you guys have like um in mind to do a podcast coming up have you guys come up with any names or do you have anything we could plug right now like ahead of time for our listeners to kind of look forward to uh actually we do have we don't have a we have a podcast-centric idea. We just don't have a proper name yet. 
uh, recently set up a website. Um, I haven't laid the design yet uh, called toastedfox.com. Uh, that's actually based like on toasted? toasted. A little bit about being <laughs> being toasted. There's nothing wrong with being toasted in the middle of the day. Um, but no, it's actually also it's a, a little bit of a double entendre because uh, I'm from San Diego, and so I love the and I I live in the desert. I love the sun. Um, I grew up in Barf. the sun. Yeah, I just <laughs> I love everything about it, and so it's kind of a little bit about being toasted in that um, adult beverage kind of way because that's fun. It's just a good time to. Just get a little buzz going, and that's cool. But also just being under the sun and getting toasted in that way is just awesome. And the fox part comes from my pen name, which is uh, Fox Cooper. So uh, I do some writing under that name. But um, our podcast, yeah, we don't we don't have a name, but it's probably going to be up on that site when we get it going. So um, you guys will come back to to at least give us a like an exclusive launch, right? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm d- I'm down for that. Yeah, um, yeah. Also. I mean, our podcast is really going to be about just kind of, kind of free form, but we also kind of want to have a little bit of educational tidbits on there. Nothing. I love that. That's a great angle. Yeah, I, I, I thank you for saying so. Um, we Mike had this great idea, and we kind of just ran with it about getting people with passion projects, not necessarily just educational, but um, you know, a good example would be someone who's doing a study and they're working on their. I don't know, their undergrad or even their, their master's thesis, mm-hmm. and they've got something that they're really passionate about and they're doing some research on. We would love to talk to people like that to just have stuff going on. You, I mean, you don't have to be in school or anything. It's just whatever you're doing that you think people might want to hear about, that's who we want to talk to. Yeah. But also talk about just pop culture, what's going on in the world. And, you know, neither of us are really intelligent. So <laughs> if you want to hear if you want to hear a couple average Joes talk about life events. That's, that's clear. No, I'm going to disagree right there because we really don't have unintelligent people in the Red Room. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying I, so. IQ of 75 just to be in the room. It doesn't matter. There's, there's a puzzle on the outside of the door you have to figure out before you can come in. You have to match the circle with the circle and the square with the square and <laughs> yeah. get it to fit in and then you can come in the door. Um, so a quick, uh, artistry question then for you guys. Um, and I think we, oh, we're doing good. Um, as artists, and this is just like a, a reflection, uh, question for you guys, uh, as artists, what type of responsibility do you have to your audience and to the public at whole? Do you have any kind of moral or ethical like, um, responsibility to the public or is it just... For the individual artist, oh, that's a good question. That is such a good question. I think it kind of depends what your aim is as an artist. Um, but for me personally, um, I consider myself to be relatively amoral. Believe it or not, um, I think if as long as you're just kind of treating people with respect and 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 giving people their their time and their space as they need it, I think it's okay. I don't think that there's a specific set of morals that one should adhere to. I think it kind of just goes with the situation. I think there are definitely some black and whites in the world, and I won't get too deep into those. Um, but I think as an artist, you kind of just have to be true to yourself. And I think that um, as long as you're doing that and you're you're happy with what you're putting out, I think that's really all that matters. But if you're trying to make a career out of it, I think you kind of have to be realistic. And it's like, hey, like this stuff, I mean, I hate to sound corporate and, and commercial, but it, the fact of the matter is if, if your stuff doesn't have some semblance of mass appeal you're not ever going to make a living out of it and i think that's just kind of a fact of life um sure there are people out there that might identify with you but if you're so fringe i mean the chances of you getting people to even 
even get on board in the first place is kind of slim. So I think it, it really depends on what you're trying to do. But ultimately, I think you don't have to be responsible to anyone if you're creating. Um, but if you want to get people on board, you got to be considerate a little bit. Um, but speak your true voice as much as you can within the uh, within the dictates of your own tastes. I look around the table and I see us all kind of agreeing with what he what he's saying. But what else do you guys have to contribute to that? Because I think you had to hit a lot of points. And one that I almost could do an entire podcast on with you um, is the commercialization of, of art. And particularly like when you're trying to hit um, a middle ground. Um, and I won't bore you with my entire theory on that and, and mediocrity. But it is an interesting topic because everything, if it's hit like everybody, then I kind of feel like by nef- definition that then it would be mediocre. But we can talk about that next time. Absolutely. <laughs> Coral, yeah. what about you uh, on the topic of like an artist re- um, responsibilities? I love art that's created just for the artist. Um, I think it's really cool when people follow only their own inspiration and they come up with something totally unique. But I also like art that can be interpreted, too. And maybe it's created without the idea of this is how it's supposed to be interpreted. I like things that are a little bit more open. Um, But just like Chris said, I mean, at some point, like if you want people to see it and get behind it, like there has to be some connection behind Mm it. Uh, So if people can't connect to it and see what you're trying to see, it may only be meaningful for you. And that's fine. That's fine if, you know, the artist only wants to create it for themselves. But if you want other people to enjoy it and appreciate what you created, then it's got to there's got to be some level of connection what resonates with me with what you just said was the the some artist created to be interpreted and i think that's that's very true i i get that there's some things that you put out that would be this is what it is and obviously you're always going to have someone who's going to interpret it their own way absolutely but i i think do you have like any examples of that because i'm not something not coming to mind immediately is there something that you that you've seen that you said i think this is something that is intended to be multiple interpretations I mean, not that doesn't come to mind for me either. Um, I guess one of the best examples would be like short films. I mean, when people make short films, mm-hmm. they usually have some sort of agenda behind it and they want you to see exactly what they're creating. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the best short films are actually those that people can pull different things from them, whatever, yeah. you know, speaks to them. Um, so it just goes back to, you know, what's the artist creating for? Are they creating to say, this is what I want you to get out of it or more free form? Mm-hmm. Mike? I agree. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes to all. <laughs> all of the above. All of the above. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that question. Um, so as far as like a responsibility to like the fans, I guess you can say, um, once you create a following and and all that, whether it be whether it be like your own personal inspiration, that's all you're doing, and then you just so happen to have a following. Um, I mean, well, see. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. Well, I mean, that's interesting you talk about, like, a following. I mean, you had a pretty strong following on Instagram. So did you feel like you had an obligation in any way to the people who are following you? I mean, this is – we're living in a very different world with with social media. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, way I would almost say definitely Um, because it was – I felt like I always had to be producing something and giving Uh something. And um, this from the guy who said he wasn't creative and wasn't yeah, going to yeah, have any yeah. output. The, well, and, and kind of like my strategy for it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I was going to post something. Uh-huh. And and that's not that much actually on Instagram. Like you have people posting like five <laughs> times a day at like very specific times with like all this, you know, specific content. And um, and obviously their following is is growing because of it. Right. You're, so consistency, I would definitely say consistency is something that you that you in a way sort of owe to the fans right it 
it, and it, it kind of goes back to what Chris said. It kind of depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to like gather as many fans and to gather as many people to see your art as as you can or or, or whatever it may be, I I do feel like to some extent there is a pressure to deliver to fans on a regular on a relatively consistent basis. Um, whether that be like if your tempo is once a year, like and you make in a like a bomb ass film can i cuss on this podcast i don't know <laughs> yeah yes you can and uh I, like I was gonna um, comment earlier on the yeah. the irony of like you're talking about the toasty fox the toasted fox mm-hmm. toasted fox and it might be the very first time we've sat down at the red room table and not had beverages adult beverages we have our water <laughs> but this might be the very first time staying we've hydrated. ever recorded <laughs> like yeah, that it's getting <laughs> but, hot in tucson but, so you gotta stay hydrated yeah you gotta stay hydrated <laughs> yeah. and no you can your language is Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, and if if you make like a bomb ass thing once a year, and that's like your tempo, then that's fine. I mean, I know like as far as like music, and artists like uh, Steve Aoki, um, yeah. that guy travels like, like in an insane amount. That like that guy goes everywhere, and anywhere, th- literally anywhere that will take him, he plays. And he throws cakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, that guy's insane. And I actually, respect hardworking musicians. Yeah, that's, and and yeah. it's unbelievable. So in a way, like I. I'm not. I don't want to speak for him, but I, I would say there probably is a desire somewhere in there that he feels like he has to give something back to as many fans as he can. Yeah. And so, as far as the responsibility to the fans, I I know some people feel that. Um, but kind of going back on those people who just want to do it for their own creative interest and who just want to follow their passion and and anything like that. I mean, think of all the artists that came and went that had all this like really unique interesting art that nobody cared about nobody cared about it while they were alive and then it's like they died and then somebody raided their house and like whoa what is all this i mean van gogh is a perfect example of that he was hated in his time you know Uh, i mean he spent his whole life traveling around trying to actually for a long time he did artwork that matched what was popular at the time a lot of landscape type Mm. stuff and he tried to sell that and he was working as a curator and then when he finally started you know to kind of paint as he wanted to he was hated, and it wasn't until years later after his death that people saw it as inspirational, you know? Man, I only hope to be hated in my own time, you know? It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's wow. Yeah, that is, a, that is a tragedy, but does go to show that if someone is true to their art, true to what their inspiration is, well, maybe not always, but a good portion of time later on, that's, uh, later on or that during their time, they're going to be more appreciated it's going to be truer to them to themselves and so his his good stuff is what he did when he was being true to his art yeah um can i add something to that no okay no. You're, you're done now <laughs> all right i'm out of here guys <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, um so when i was yeah when i was talking earlier um when you asked me that question i definitely meant to get across the point perhaps i didn't do so well um that i think that you know, as long as you're just beholden to yourself, you're going to be okay. I mean, you're going to go to sleep well at night. That's fine. But it, like I said, if you're trying to make a living off of it, um, sometimes there is that mass appeal factor. But I think it's pretty uh, a good testament to somebody following their own passions, as Coral touched on and as Mike and even you touched on. Um, when you do follow your your own voice, I think that there are sometimes people that will identify. And that's, I mean, a lot of, maybe... Maybe not so many people, but I think those people that do identify will be a lot more loyal. Um, like for, I, I can cite so many examples, but a good example that I know you know, um, Kevin Smith, right? Super uh, cult following, basically. And, and anybody yeah. that's a fan of Kevin Smith is really a fan. And then a lot of people just don't care for anything he does. Yeah. Um, but 
he talked on his uh, night with Kevin Smith or evening with Kevin Smith last time he was in Tucson. He was talking about um, Richard Linklater doing his movie Slackers. Yeah. And that was just a movie that Linklater did for himself by all, you know, by all counts. But Kevin Smith was so enamored with it that he went out and, and sought to be a filmmaker. And I think that that happens a lot more often than people give credence to. I know it's happened with me um, indirectly with probably out even knowing it. And um, I mean, I don't think anybody's questioning that as I've talked with you about, uh, talked to you about this as well. Uh, I don't think anybody's questioning when David Lynch did his eighth episode of season three of Twin Peaks. I don't think anybody was thinking, yeah, this guy's really trying to appeal to a bunch of people. <laughs> that was, that yeah, episode, are, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> that episode was for some people hard to watch, but you, you can ask my wife. I was enamored when I was, I, I was fixated on the screen it's and I could beautiful. not. It's beautiful. It is not hard to watch. It is it is gorgeous. Exactly, it is but I the, some of the feedback that I saw online and stuff like that, the, if you want by quote unquote common dictates of taste, um, might suggest otherwise. But <laughs> I, I, to me, beautiful, and I think that's the kind of stuff that is really what makes art worthwhile. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would agree with that. It's, it's great that you can just say episode eight, and any of our listeners would know exactly what you're talking about. You don't have to specify that it was during the, the limited event. During the third season, whatever, but everyone now, I think that it actually has, at least in the the Twin Peaks circles, it has become um, pretty iconic. Just like episode eight was really something spectacular to behold. I think speaking of episode eight, I think some of the best, most inspirational art comes from things that make you a little bit uncomfortable. I agree. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anybody (laughs) familiar with Yorgos Lanthimos? I I know I talked about it before. He did uh, Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer. Those movies are just uncomfortable. Definitely uncomfortable, (laughs) yes. Yeah. No, but it makes you think. And, you know, actually, uh, to go back to something you said really early on about uh, Lynch, uh, sometimes when you're watching a Lynch movie, you don't know exactly what's going on, and that's where we come to maybe some of that interpretation thing. Um, and then you you can just enjoy it. One of my friends was pretty critical of that when I told him, because uh, we were discussing it here, um, sometimes when I watch Lynch, it's more about the feeling of it kind of like washing over me. I'm just going to watch it. I'm not picking it apart from a real critical standpoint so much as I'm just letting it, I'm enjoying the the visual feast that I'm getting. And um, I don't know what else I had to say about that. That's <laughs> the same way I read comic books. Yeah. I just I usually read through it once and I just kind of like take it all in it you know the whole picture the story whatever and then the next time i read through it i'm a little bit more careful yeah. to you know find the details but the first time it's just for like the whole experience yeah absolutely excellent excellent uh so i mean we we've gotten a lot of good content here guys um did you guys have anything else you wanted to to talk about uh specifically with like future endeavors or anything that's coming up here shortly, or maybe just reflect a little bit on on the experience. I mean, we I've, I've had a great time having you guys sit down and chat for a minute. Um, anything? Closing closing arguments, counsel. Um. Well. Yeah, definitely. Um. <laughs> oh, so excuse I, me, I have eyes on my mic. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> all good. <laughs> um. I don't That's think what there the was. Is for. I don't think there was any uh, any doubt that I wanted to do something creative um, from a young age, and I had a similar experience to Mike as far as not wanting to create because of the military. And I'm not blaming the military. It was really my own ambition that caused me to kind of put to the um, the put on the back burner my own creative ambitions. But I will say, just doing tonight, just doing tonight this podcast, um, it's kind of solidified the fact that I definitely want to take. Um, 
my life in this direction, specifically with a podcast, but also just the putting that creative energy out there because it's really easy to doubt yourself and it's really easy to um, make excuses. And the podcast, for instance, I really wanted to do and I was hoping to lay down a track or two and, and get going. But this experience is, has made me realize that this is uh, pretty much all I want to do. It's um, a lot of fun. And something Mike said earlier, we're talking about work and talking about how things can kind of pile up and you put it off and you've got these creative things you want to do, but somehow... I mean, at the core of it, life kind of gets in the way. I mean, I've, I've run into that. Like, we, we, we fired this off, like, guns blazing, and then the holiday season hit, and, it, you know, we work retail, and I definitely fell off for a bit because I was just too tired. I, but I probably wasn't. I could have done it. And so, yeah, you got to take the time to flex those creative muscles. Um, that's that's awesome. I'm, I really hope you guys come back. It's, fun, it's funny that you also mentioned Kevin Smith. I think we, we saw you guys at that show, didn't we? Yes, we did. We caught you guys earlier on. And um, in on the website, I even cite uh, Kevin Smith was the inspiration for this podcast, um, quite specifically because I was like, oh my god, this is this is great because I want to record my friends, I want to record my family, I want them to, I don't know, you know, immortalize them if you will in some way because I felt like in a very uh, arrogant way that the people I knew had cool stuff to say, so I was like, I'm going to record these people. Um, so again, here is another proof in the pudding. You guys are right here. All have like a great story to tell. Have some great contributions, and I mean, I'm I'm just really fortunate to get to sit down and talk talk to you. Oh, I'm blowing up. Two way street. Um, hang tight, just one second. We actually have uh, the next group of podcasting uh, guests outside. Let's bring them in for a second. Maybe they can be like uh, our our live studio audience for a second, and we'll wrap ours up. Sounds good. Hey guys, you guys can, can talk about me behind my back when I walk out the door, and then I can hear it later. It's really That's great. Really good. It. That's really good. That's really good. That's really good. In editing. We'll be right back. Sounds good. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he's definitely going to edit this out, but there's something I've always wanted to say into a microphone. Tell him, Steve Dave. <laughs> so at work today, uh, there was a perfect opportunity for me to say that, and nobody would have understood of course, yeah. Was there like a really awkward moment where there was a really a awkward moment? The somebody was dropping off some of the trash in the break room, and they were like, "Oh my god, I just I can't take any more trash in here. Like it's too full, uh, too full, or something like that." And I was like, "Tell him, Steve, Dave." And <laughs> nothing, nothing. nothing. <laughs> Wait, did you actually nothing. say? It? I said, "Tell him, Steve, Dave." Nobody, uh, of course, nobody, nobody got yeah. that. Nobody got that. Yeah, hundred thousand listeners or so, maybe a little bit more than that. Three hundred seventy people ish in America. Mm, yeah, that's probably what is that one in. The 3,000 odds that somebody would listen to it? Yeah. yeah. One in 3,700? Yeah, just a rough wag. Just a wag, yeah. Just a wild-ass yeah. guess. There's no smart guys in the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was in the shower this morning, tired as shit, <laughs> <laughs> calculating in my head Coral's, <laughs> Coral's 18% night differential plus time and a half what she made last night. Nice. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh. Uh, what did I say? Nine hundred and six. No, six hundred. No, seven hundred and forty-eight dollars. Was it? Yeah, something like that. Something I was like that. pretty much down to the dollar calculating in my head in the shower. And Dang, it's still dude. not worth what I do for a living. Yeah, I know that's hard work being a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only paid in singles, baby. <laughs> Man, I have Uh-oh, to take here, a here they are. Oh, do you guys have some bad things to say? Only bad things. <laughs> All righty. So, uh, did you guys have a nice little conversation? Oh, we, we did. certainly did. Yes. Oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so as we close this out, uh, just want to say thanks again for you guys coming out tonight. Um, 
guys are welcome to hang around and just chill, or you know, we can roll out. You guys, I could pour you beverages or Ooh. make you oh. or make you some various uh, shots, or whatever you guys want. <laughs> shot, 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 Yeah, I'm down. Wait, so is this next podcast? That is in spirit of the red room, because again. That's usually what happens in there. Wait, there. so is this next episode going to be with your first live audience? Is that what no, you're we've saying? actually had a live audience uh, oh, a couple times okay. before. All right. And it's usually, um, that's why I'm really glad that Coral jumped in and like participated. Um, because initially, like obviously I met Chris through work. And uh, a lot of times you have like someone come over with their significant other and they won't jump on. So thank you very much. Of course. <laughs> but again, I feel like it's more of a collective anyways. I felt like that energy. But anyways, thanks again for coming out. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. We don't have an exact uh, date or time frame for the launch of these guys, uh, their upcoming podcast. But uh, I assure you, you will hear from us on uh, From the Red Room, uh, which you can check out on uh, Twitter. We have the website, uh, fromtheredroom.com. Uh, check out the Facebook, From the Red Room, or just uh, check out Instagram, too. From time to time, we'll post a, a picture there. In fact, we'll try and get a shot of tonight's group uh, so you guys can get an idea of what all these kids... What's up? Next time I'll bring my camera and we'll get some good stuff. We'll get a nice shot? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, this has been uh, a Resonance from the Red Room. Uh, tonight's guests... Chris Morris. Coral Roseberry. And Mike Piscilla. And I've been your host, Mitch Proctor. You guys uh, have a great night and let a smile be your umbrella. <laughs>